bird's eye view when it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is May 23rd, 2023, and this is episode 365. My name is Jake English. And my name is Scott Magnus. That's right. If you listen to an episode of Bird's Eye View every day, you could be disappointed for an entire year. And uh, we plan to keep that going today, one base at a time. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking this uh, week? I am doing a Breckenridge Vanilla Porter this evening. In fact, I've got to pull it out of my bag. But yeah, that's what I'm drinking this evening. Uh, definitely not a traditional, call it spring slash summer beer. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going with today. Was in the fridge and uh, and just had to finish it off, huh? Yeah. All right. I am drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking a Moscow Mule for reasons that escape me. But Scotty, if the conversation goes so well this evening, I do have a Bud Light Lime waiting in reserve. Yeah, I mean that's. Let's hope it doesn't go that poorly. It's a reserve yeah, Bud Light Lime. Let's hope it doesn't go that poorly. While we're on the topic, yeah, of of, uh, of the drink of the week, we we've, we've got to talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah, we got to talk Flying Dog, right? one of our favorites yep i love snake dog yep and they up and sold to a new york brewery and are gonna close out brewing operations in frederick yeah i mean they were already doing plenty of operations in new york as it is but again you are in essence losing uh, a top 50 brewery uh craft brewery um in the united states uh and you know the number one craft brewery in in maryland um, yeah, so I think it's a, I think it's a loss. I mean, I know people are going to be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Way of the dogfish is the way is the best way to put it, but I just don't like it whatsoever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really bummed, especially because I love supporting local beer. That's great. Mm-hmm. And, and dogfish certainly is. And the other thing that I found weird about this is that maybe it's me, mm-hmm. maybe it's a personal experience and I'm, and I'm projecting, but I feel like it's been difficult to find all the dogfish or dogfish now you got me started all of the flying dog that i've been looking for over the past we'll call it several months yeah um so maybe this is something that works or, or maybe just our local beer stores are terrible i would assume that if i were a individual that owned a brewery such as that i would want to in essence reduce all my inventory as much as possible uh, before I sell it in order to basically return on my investment as much as possible. Well, that just makes uh, heavy seas first in our hearts and, you know, first, first in Maryland. Yeah. Do you think heavy seas is actually number one in Maryland? Like from a volume standpoint at this given point? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough about it, but I do know the number one in our hearts part. Yeah. I think, Roar might be number one. I mean, that might be an interesting conversation. So maybe uh, we can be uh, educated on that aspect of who is the number one craft brewery now uh, in Maryland uh, with Flying Dog going out of operations. Let and us, if you, let us know. And if you'd like to see far fewer Flying Dog in our feed, make sure to find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. And with that, after that sad news, it's time for a checkup. So starting us off, the medical wing is Ramon Urias, who 
still on the IL, but he is going to start going on rehab assignment this week. That's exciting. That is exciting. I mean, you look at the Urias situation, and I do. I think we talked about it last week. Um, there's definitely a need for Urias on this club right now. Um, Mateo, again, is struggling and continues to struggle. And, you know, going through this entire offseason, we said, you know, it's a possibility that Mateo might have to move to a bench role. He certainly screams bench role and basically being that pinch runner aspect or potentially a late inning defensive replacement. Um, or at least a platoon guy. Right. Or exactly, or platoon individual. Uh, and again, we've even seen it from a bench spot standpoint. We've been very fortunate with some bench appearances as of late. But Roman Urias offers that additional back coming off the bench. So I think we're all looking to see Urias, you know, make a recovery pretty quickly. Um, I think we, we we escaped really well here. I mean, I was expecting it to be a lot longer than it was. Um, so fingers crossed he's able to kind of make this miraculous turnaround. I love the fact that we're missing Urias and the team's still winning. Yep. But I've also, I also try to stop and take note of how much I've turned on Urias and the fact that I miss him, right? I trust his bat. I trust him in the field. There was a time where I'd be like, ah, he's out. Who cares? That's a significant loss to a, a, a good club. Luckily, the Orioles are still getting it done. Yeah. One of the other names that we've talked about pretty much the entire season is Michael Givens. And he's back. He's not back. He's back. Well, he's back because he's going to be an Oriole for life. Yeah. Right? I think so. If we say that, he's immediately traded, right? Um, I think so. I, only if he's untouchable. <laughs> so Michael Givens is back. He's been pitching and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's pitching this evening. He just got, you know, three outs. Um, came into a really high leverage situation. Toronto did okay, is the best way to put it. Um, so we'll see what Michael Givens can do again. You know, he was pretty decent last year for the Mets. I think we were looking at him in spring training and looking at the velocity and being like, it's not looking so great. Um, We'll see what happens. Um, And we'll go from there. Anything is a boon. Um, And again, I think if you look at it and say, if Givens could be your sixth or seventh inning, you know, relief pitcher, I'm okay with that. I also look a little bit back to the the Dan Duquette era. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm thinking back to the Dan Duquette era. Talking about Michael Givens, of course we're talking about the Dan Duquette era. What are you talking about? And I think to myself, if we can find a reliever who can be super helpful for a month, yeah, and then we go to the next guy, great. Danny Clone. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Bird's Eye View listeners, if you if you hear a heavy pregnant pause, it's because Scott and I have both turned our heads uh, to check out tonight's Oriole Yankee game. Uh, on the all-new Masson app, which means... All-new Masson app. Scan the QR code. Which means that you are watching it at the same time that we are, yeah, basically. Absolutely. Uh, also in the medical wing, Dylan Tate. Yeah. I mean, he's getting close. He's close. They said that he needs one more appearance. Or, again, if we're going in musical one style... Last time. One more appearance! <laughs> like like that we went in different Yeah, directions. we went different ways. I, I like that. Uh, not whole I'm, lot- I'm big on the French, so... <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot else in the medical wing this week. Again, knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. You know, things are quiet. I mean, the only thing else I mentioned is John Means, who, again, continues longer. He was supposed to make a, a start today in extended spring training. That did not happen. Um, nothing kind of major to make of it. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's something to keep, keep an eye on. It's coming soon is the best way to describe it. Um, so let's go to 280 characters or less. This week on the Twitters. All right. 
First, from this week on the Twitters, we're going to go to Eric Birdland, Eric at Eric underscore Birdland. And he gave us all the information that we needed for that last thing. The tweet is as follows. Breaking, hashtag Orioles fans, the extended spring training team has a home-and-home versus Atlanta on Monday and Tuesday. If you're in town, you should make the trip to Northport on Tuesday as all-star John Means will be making a start. He's coming back. Back. Very exciting news, and I'll do my best to get footage for you. Listen, if you're not following Eric, you need to be doing that. Eric goes to the field every single day. Uh, during spring training, during the fall, during extending spring training, and is giving you know highlights and video of the game. Um, an absolute invaluable asset to Orioles Twitter and to Birdland. Incredibly knowledgeable, not just because of what he's seeing and sharing with us, but also because he knows how to make sense of it. Absolutely. And that is as as rare a talent as they come. Also, he wiped the floor with us. He, he destroyed in, us in Orioles Family Feud. Yeah. So, absolutely. So, Eric, well done. Well done. Thanks for making me feel better about uh, not being as smart as you. A- absolutely. And, you know, it's really important, you know, to hold things accountable. And accountability is important. Um, and this next tweet comes from RK at accordion accord domination. Um, and it says at birds, IVBL, how did you miss splash zone guest host, Michael Phelps and John waters? That's, that's That's, a good call out. That's excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. We, we asked, we said, Hey, who did we miss? We miss. And, uh, and RK was kind enough to, to let us know. So let me ask you that question of between those two names, who do you think is more likely to go out there and sit and do that? I mean, likely, likely it's Phelps. It's Phelps. Who, who would you want I, to say? Yeah, who would I? Who would I pay money to go watch do that? Absolutely, it's John Waters. Can you imagine John Waters going out there and then, in essence, buying like t- tickets for the entire section, saying Orioles, I want all the tickets for the entire section, and he just puts drag queens out in '86 <laughs> and he just splashes them the whole time. Little, a little bit of Hamden in uh, in Camden Yards never hurt anybody. Or even better, what if there's empty seats? present within section 86 for some unknown reason and if we just put pink flamingos in those empty seats <laughs> i love this the visuals <laughs> abound the visuals abound all right um jake why don't you go take the next one next we've got a tweet from dylan atkinson who of course tweets at dylan t atkinson looks like grayson is holding his hands lower out of the stretch when he comes set certainly making some adjustments between starts we've talked about this he's yeah. going to grow he's going to develop at the major league level it's a good catch yeah, and I'm wondering, too, if, you know, the Orioles might have thought that he was tipping pitches uh, slightly. Um, so by kind of holding it a little bit closer, maybe he is uh, being a little more deceptive. But gosh, yeah. gosh, you hope so, right? <laughs> Something to keep an eye out for is the best way to put it. But, yeah, like I said, no, just, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, the last tweet kind of goes to, you know, something that I think everybody in Birdland has been talking about. Oh, was this was this notable? This was notable. Everyone was anticipating. Anticipating this, as it were, um, comes from the Orioles at Orioles. This is what it means to wear Baltimore on your chest. And it is the debut of the City Connect jerseys, uniform, kits, um, whatever you want to, in essence, call it. Um, so, Jake, everybody has, in essence, given their opinions on this one. We gave our opinions a few weeks ago, specifically when we saw the leak, the leak, um, as it were. Now seeing the full debut thoughts. Um, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Uh, I, I think a couple of things are interesting. First, mm-hmm. they dropped it on an off day. Good for them. Yep. Secondly, it's kind of nice that this is coming out in a season where we don't have to care about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people do care about it. People were pretty fired up one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, if this was like, you know, 
two years ago, three years ago, this would be all we had to talk about. Yeah. There would be weeks and weeks of discussion. It's fine. Um, I don't know. I think I think they're all right. I think they're cool. I like the pop of color. I can't tell if I I can't tell if I find the uh the hidden, you know, pop of color to be uh wonderful or a little too cute. Yeah. I think I've, I've Galaxy Brain is what people have basically been alluding to. I go back and forth on it to be honest yeah. with you. The only thing I'll, I will say is that I'm not a big fan of the the script B logo. Mm, yeah. I've never been a fan of the B logo because uh you know Brooklyn and Boston have done it. We don't need another B out there. Yeah. We can do our own thing. That's probably an unpopular opinion. Sure. It's fine. Uh, otherwise, I, you know, they're they're fine. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's my style, um, but I, I do a really actually appreciate it. I think it's actually a solid choice. You know, I think ultimately, you know, the Orr's organization was trying to do something to resonate with the given city as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, they also looked at this and said, what can we do to portray Baltimore in a safe light? Because that's what the counties always are complaining about. You know, county <laughs> residents are always saying, you know, I would embrace this team and the and the and the organization more so only if there was Baltimore was more safe. So this was a safe choice, as it were, uh, for the Orioles on the outer garb. So it should you know resonate highly um, with county patrons of the Baltimore Orioles. I will say, and <laughs> I'm I'm going to sidestep all of that. I will say that it's funny to me that. You have the announcement here on on this particular tweet that we talked about. It's got Adley on it, and Adley has none of the color popping. Yeah, and you know the the I think it was Santander, it was uh, Cedric Mullins, yeah. it was Mateo. They all had you know the sleeves rolled and everything like that. So it made me think. It really will depend on personal styling to see how I how agree. nice these pop on camera. Let's uh, let's take a look and see what happens. Yeah, um, I do want us to take a step back really quickly and we've got to talk about the most important standpoint of this outfit okay we've got to talk about the hosiery yeah what did you think about the hosiery uh i would like more color in the hosiery i mean there's a pretty decent amount of color again it has like the subtle the subtle thing i I want it all you want it all you want the whole like rainbow color basically yeah i want to see all the neighborhoods okay i want to see it all it's fine the way it is but I want to see it. I want to see it all, and I want all of them to rock the high socks. So because you, you want it big and flashy, is what you're telling absolutely. me. Because okay. that won't show on you know the guys that wear the pajama pants. Sponsored by John Waters here. Wants it all, and wants it big and splashy, splashy too. <laughs> that was a slip of the tongue into serendipity. That's a Freudian slip if I've ever had one. Um, well, with that, um, why don't we go ahead and slip around the bases, as it were, um, and find out what is going on in Birdland this week. All right, Scotty, let's go around the bases. We'll start as we usually do at first base. And at first, I want to look back at the Toronto series. I was interested in a number of things uh, at the Toronto series. Uh, This is when I take my shirt and my pants off, right? Excuse me? For the Toronto series, right? No. Because it was so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And you just can't hide it? Yeah. Well, I do want to... Now I'm distracted. Thank God this is a podcast, folks. Um, I do want to start with uh, some visuals, and that is... Well, there you go. <laughs> that is Rogers Center. Uh, they changed the walls this year. Yeah. I actually like them. 
when when it was described to me, I was like, well, that sounds like a dumb change. But looking at the lines, looking at the angles, as it was presented on television, I'm a fan of the change. I think it's still pretty dumb. No, oh, I, I think they look great. Yeah, I think it's still pretty dumb. I think there's going to be a few home runs that are going to be hit that you're going to be like, that's really dumb that that went out. So we'll see what happens. I know it worked for the advantage of the Orioles um, earlier on, but yeah, I'm not not super thrilled. All righty. Well, let's talk about the actual baseball. Sure. The Orioles did great. Yeah. Did, did as well as they could have. Yeah. They did did well against three good pitchers. Yeah. Right. None of those guys. Uh, who was it? It was Kikuchi, it was Manoa, and it was Gosman. I mean, there's not a slouch there among them. No, I mean, those are all, you know, three really good good starting pitchers. Um, you know, especially Gossman, going against Gossman on Sunday. Um, you know, that's always going to be a tough matchup. Um, but yeah, the Orioles, you know, face some really good pitching and not to be, not not unexpected um, going into that Blue Jays series. Yeah, and and that is just going to be a thing that, that keeps happening. It's going to be good pitching wherever they go as they go through this stretch of, of great teams that they, they play in May. Uh, you know, the other thing you alluded to a little bit earlier was uh, getting good contributions from the bench players. Yep. First uh, among them, I have to say, I was really impressed with the at-bats that uh, Vavar got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, nothing you know overly impressive, but just, again, extending the bat head and just kind of flipping the bat ball into areas where, you know, the defense isn't. Not, isn't. So he's never going to hit for a lot of pop or anything like that, but he does have a decent aspect to kind of spray the ball. And we talked about that last year watching him play um, on that basis. So we'll see what, what happens with that um, and go from there. And of course, you know, Ryan O'Haron, the the hero of game two, just like we planned it the Absolutely. whole time. I mean, when you get four runs from Ryan O'Haron, um, it's a good day. Yeah, it's almost like the Orioles knew, like, hey, let's keep Ryan O'Haron on, uh, on the 40-man roster and designate for assignment, you know, other, you know, batters that would go to the Yankees and in essence do well against us in the first series, but not anything past that point. While we're on the topic of, of players and maybe aren't, you know, frontline mm-hmm. Orioles, I want to just for a moment... Uh, visit Adam Frazier and last year it was Brian Baker mm-hmm. getting into it with uh, with the Jays you know with the hand motion and yelling into the dugout and I think I think the dugouts actually cleared out a little bit yeah. during one of those yeah it was uh, Adam Frazier and Manoa yeah having some some choice words in this series yeah uh, I guess he's got a little bit of that Rugnito door dog in him it's an interesting, um, it was an interesting standpoint because, again, you know, let's think about, you know, what happened there. Um, and then let's think about what happened immediately afterwards um, where, you know, they're yapping at each other. And then John Schneider comes out for the second time and has to pull out Manoa. And I'm almost wondering if Schneider basically walked out to say, I'm going to call my pitcher down and we're going to talk strategy just to kind of get him back into the zone. And then he didn't realize, oh, if I go out there. I'm going to have to pull him. So I wanted to talk about this separately, but I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. We as Orioles fans yeah. are are asking ourselves, you know, what do we have with this manager? Um, you know, is he a man or is he a Muppet? I mean, I ask you, do you think that this is the kind of mistake that Brandon Hyde would have made? No. I don't think so either. I, well, I actually, well, I'll take that back. Um, I think Brandon Hyde could make that mistake, but I think with a, like a bench coach that you have like in Freddie Gonzalez, I think that's the role of a bench coach is basically say, whoa, what are you doing? Right. Grab like, the back of the jersey. Yeah, like or slow down. Pajamas or yeah. whatever he's wearing. Yeah. And I just don't think, you know, the Blue Jays were you know aware of that. But I think that's exactly what Freddie Gonzalez's role is, is basically to kind of pull Hyde back and be like, whoa, 
That's what, what are you doing? <laughs> that's the thing that jumped out at me. It was like, you know, for better, for worse, we don't like the in-game management. We don't like the, um, you know, we don't like the pitching changes, all that kind of good stuff. All other teams deal with unforced errors. Of course. And we got one up close and personal. And I, I just, I think we should acknowledge the fact that that probably doesn't happen here. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's a, it was, you know, it didn't cost them in that inning. Um, but it just struck me. I was like, oh, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, would normally happen to us, just like you said, and it happened to the other team. So I just thought it was interesting. That's all. Let's talk a little bit about the back end of the bullpen. First, Yenier Cano being mortal after all. Yeah. I mean, you had to know it was going to happen, right? He was not going to be perfect sure. all season. Uh, great that it happened and it didn't kill us. Yeah. That, that I think, is the best scenario that you could have had because it was certainly the type of deal where um, you had. That was one of those pauses, by the way, everybody, <laughs> that, you know, Jake is gathering his thought um, and then sees a play on his TV and has to stop and then has to come back and actually talk about a podcast. Yannick Cano just made a tag at home and I, my brain shut down. Can I just say I'm disappointed in Yannick Cano in this play? Do you know why? Because it wasn't a, a split like That's Michael not, Givens. It wasn't a Michael Givens split. I, I got to tell you. I thought that it was interesting in the fact that I I thought that it was Givens. And so I was like, oh, gosh, here we go again. But alas, I was talking about Yenier Cano, and I was delighted that, you know, we we finally saw him uh, give up runs, didn't kill us. He kept going in a in a successful outing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's the standpoint, like you said, he is going to have games like that where he is going to, in essence, struggle is the best way to put it. Um, but you still have to come back to the situation like he hasn't given up a single walk this whole season. Right. He's given up now one run. Uh, it's it's going to happen. You know, he's going to basically get to, I'm going to say, maybe a two ERA, you know, at some point this mm-hmm. season. Uh, but still, that's still really good. Like, I mean, I understand people are always going to look at and compare it to the Zach Britton, you know, below one ERA yeah. season in 2014. But, I mean, we are seeing um, some excellent performance from Cano. And again, Batista looks um, as effective as ever um, in, in terms of kind of his clutchness is the best way to put it. The re- You're just rubbing clutchness in at this I point. I am a little bit. The rest of the bullpen, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Felix Batista. I've been really worried. Yep. About Bautista, I feel like he's he's been a power. Are you kick. still worried? No, not at all. Well, not 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 at all. Well, you're always pacing. Yes, I'm scared. always going to be pacing. He he had a clean but butt clenching inducing inning sure. in game one. Game two, we got two innings from him, and the thing that I loved about that outing was the velocity I saw in the tenth. Mm-hmm. Right, I feel like he's been holding on for dear life through like the last two weeks of appearances yep. and as that's happened the velocity is ticked down and ticked down into a spot where frankly you know the league can catch 95 96 sure. if he the way he pitches the velocity was back up i'm starting to feel more confident in felix bautista i look at you know specifically earlier this year specifically the walk rate and the walk rate was absolutely ridiculous and again we kept talking about how that shoulder was basically mm-hmm. kind of opening up or basically closing down too early um, and he was getting wild on that basis. Um, and I'm starting to see that shoulder and straighten out more to the plate. So that's one of the first things that I'm always looking at Batista of like, is his shoulder coming towards the plate um, when he's delivering it again? You know, pitch location as it reads the splitter and the fastball, that's a whole nother matter. 
Um, but again, if the delivery isn't there, you can tell really quickly whether it's going to be a good Felix Batista or a bad Felix Batista start. Um, and we've seen that even where, you know, um, he stopped, you know, you know, Adley's come out, talk to him, and then he'll readjust and in essence, calm himself down, take an extra second or two, and in essence, reposition it. So I think Batista is as good now as he was last year. Uh, I don't know if I could have said that in April. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it in my mind right now. He is 2022 Batista. Game three gave us a solid high leverage appearance from CNL Perez. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good to see that guy back again. I'm not sure that he'll ever be what he was before, sure. but you know, I would like him to get to the point where he's not a surefire DFA when we have some bullpen crunch. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's interesting. I think Oriole statistics does that's where he has basically a bullpen power ranking standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I've heard probably put Perez Givens and Baker in my like tier two at this given moment of like, that's an individual I would like to go to in the sixth or seventh inning um, on that basis going forward. So I agree. I, I want to continue to see how CNL Perez does. But so far, you know, he's certainly rebounded significantly from where I thought at one point he was going to be a DFA candidate. Yeah, no, I was I was with you. The Toronto series was incredibly fun to watch. I'm glad that the Orioles got the sweep. It's nice to see them, you know, put the put their foot to the throats of some teams, right? They've been winning series, and that's really all that matters. And they've been having a great season. But again, the thing is that 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 uh, series did is it was it raised the margin of error for the rest of May. Uh, so I, I agree. I think the bigger deal is, you know, there was a quote that came out from Mullins um, where he was basically talking about it. And it's just like when you can sweep within the division, it just tells you how good of a team we're playing as right now. And I think that's a really accurate statement. Yeah. I mean, the Blue Jays are not a bad team. No. Um, we're recording this on um, a, a you know a Tuesday evening, and the Rays you know lost this evening evening twenty to one to the Blue Jays. And again, that's going to happen sometimes in baseball. But again, the Blue Jays are not a bad team. They are scuffling um, a little bit from game to game, but overall, it was well played baseball across the board on both teams. It was just you know the Orioles didn't die, um, and the and the Blue Jays could never knock them out completely. And by them not being able to knock it out completely, the Orioles did exactly what they've done all season. They stayed in it and they clawed back into it to basically make it, you know, a, a very competitive baseball game. Absolutely. So let's go ahead, round first base and head into second. And at second base, I want to talk about the New York series. Um, pulling the curtain back, we rescheduled from Monday to, to Tuesday. So this would have been a preview of the yep. Yankees. Now it's a view on the all new Mass app. Yep. The Orioles, as we record right now, in the eighth inning, or at least they they were at some point because of the delay, leading five four. Yeah. This series this series scares the heck out of me. Like yeah. honestly, like I know you have the Blue Jays series, I know you have the Yankees series, and I was you know mildly concerned about the Blue Jays series. And I'm like, there's a possibility they're going to go up there, um, and in essence, you know, lose two, lay an egg. Yeah, it, it's possible. I didn't think they would get swept. I was like, there's a possibility they're going to lose two, like similar to the Braves series. The Yankee series, again, whenever you go to New York, and again, for as hot as Aaron Judge is being right now, and I'm like, the Orioles have to be really cautious here. Um, hey, hang on. While you're saying that, I'm just going to look into my dugout. Just, I'm just going to check real quick. Yeah. Just, go ahead. Go ahead. you got to be really cautious at this point just to basically make sure that you know they don't let, we'll call it, that Yankee devil magic pop up. So you mentioned this on Twitter. I think it's important. Why is this series so important? I mean, yeah, I mentioned this on Twitter specifically, like the opening series that the Orioles had against the Yankees at Camden Yards. Uh, they went one and two against the Yankees. 
Um, and I mentioned it specifically of like, you know, at the end of the season, you know, the Orioles are going to play, you know, 12 plus games against the Yankees, 12 to 13. I can't remember which one it is at this point with the reduced schedule. Um, and, you know, there are no tiebreakers, you know, tiebreaking games. It's, you know, if the Yankees have a better in-season schedule, they get it. And, and the reason why that's really going to be important is if the Orioles do not, in essence, win the AL East and they are, in essence, a four seed or a five seed, um, you know, you go to a wild card game and the wild card games, I should say it's no longer a game. The wild card games are three games at the home stadium for the lowest seed. So, again, if I have to be the four seed or the five seed, I want the Yankees coming to the Oriole Park. Mm-hmm. I do not want to play three games in a row at Yankee Stadium in October. Yeah. Absolutely not. So this is this is going to sound dumb, but Scott, the Orioles are playing a meaningful series in May. I agree is, is the best way to put it. Like, I understand that even if they were to, in essence, get swept, there is the possibility that it's not going to matter. Because, again, if you have a better record, it doesn't matter. It just seems like it's going to be one of those matters where, you know, seeding is going to come down to the last week of the season, uh, specifically in the AL East. And I think it's going to be so critical. Yeah. We're, we're seeing so far, you know, eight innings into a game, the Orioles and the Yankees are are going to town, right? Mm-hmm. These these are two two good clubs. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago about maybe it's time to start being afraid of the Yankees again. Yep. They're I've gonna- always been afraid of the Yankees. I mean, I think, you know, um, I think it was Sam Dingman was posting on Baltimore on aspect. He's just like, you can talk about the Red Sox, you can talk about the Jays, but ultimately the Yankees are always Gonna public enemy number one. Yeah. Um, and I completely agree with Sam on that one. Again, as much as there is this standpoint of like, we hate the Blue Jays, we hate the Red Sox, um, they, the Yankees are always going to be number one in my head of like, bury them, you know, make sure they're completely dead. Um, they're like zombies. You just want to shoot them in the head and basically make sure they're dead and they're not moving anymore. Yeah. 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 But so far, you know, they're playing a pretty even game and, and for at least the moment, uh, the Orioles are out on top. Yeah. If they win this series, boy, howdy. Yeah. If they, if they win the series, um, huge is the best way to describe it. Cause again, you even the season series at that point. Um, and, and again, you, you know, potentially inch closer and closer to the Rays, and you got to put another game between you or even potentially a few games between you, just like you did the, the, the blue Jays series. So again, um, yeah, like it's a, it's a huge series. I don't want to call it playoff baseball, but it kind of feels like that aspect where it's like, it's a really important rivalry game. Why didn't anybody tell us that this baseball stuff was fun? Especially in division. Right. I, I'm, my, I was told there would be no math, so my math might be off. I yeah. apologize. But I think if they take the series, they guarantee themselves a 500 record in that awful stretch of games in May. I think you're correct about that. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens is the best way to put it. But um, overall, you know, you come out of that Blue Jays series um, and you come into the Yankees series and you just keep, like you said, you have to keep the pedal to the metal. And again, you can't let it yourself down. Um, and you know, I certainly think that the Orioles are pulling out all the stops as it were in that blue Jays series. And we'll see if they're going to do the same in the Yankee series. It looks like it because they're having, you know, Cano pitch a two inning relief appearance here, um, in game one, which means that he's probably out for game two. Um, so very interesting is the best way to describe it in terms of how aggressive we're being to basically try to maintain leads. Let's worry about game two tomorrow. Yeah. All right, let's leave second base and head over to third. And at third base, I want to talk about Adley. Let's let's hug it out. May 21st, which was just a couple of days ago, represents the first anniversary of Adley Rutschman's Major League debut. And since then, uh, let's see, in the first 
160 games, Mm -hmm. excluding tonight, which Mm -hmm. is not yet complete. Adley Rutschman has amassed 6.7 war, 133 weighted runs created plus. He has a 289 Babbitt, which is about league average, which makes me think that this is what he is. Yeah. Right? Uh, His slash line is 271, 400, 435, and 835. Almost making me giddy is the fact that he's got a 18.1 walk rate versus a 14.3 K rate. This kid's pretty good. Yeah, I remember when Adley was coming up and we were talking about, like, is Adley going to be the answer? And that was my biggest concern. It's like, as Adley, you're basically saying he's going to be a franchise player, but is he going to be enough? And is a four-war, you know, catcher going to be enough? And I think there's two things for this standpoint. I think, you know, obviously you can look at that 6.7 F4, you can look at the weighted runs grade plus, and you can look at the plate discipline specifically in terms of his on-base percentage. I believe he was leading the league um, on on on-base percentage. Um, But I don't think, and again, this is the analytics guys talking about it, I don't think the war tells the entire story. Um, I think this is something that we talk about all the time as, you know, managers as a warrior. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about the aspect of multipliers. And I think it's one of the situations where you look for employees specifically that are multipliers within your organization. And there's no question that I look at Adley's personality and what he does on the field. And I'm like, that's a force multiplier there. He is in essence making everybody else better on the team and in the organization with him being on the field every single day. Yeah. I mean, there there are two things. You're exactly right about that. There are two things to say. The first is that he is part of the reason that the the pitching staff is more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And the other thing is that he's become a workhorse. Yeah. He plays a lot of games. I think he's played a ev- catcher. Hasn't he played every single game so far? Like yes. I know he got started, right. but he's in essence come into every I, single I game. I think at he this has point. appeared in every yeah. in every game. Uh, he's been he's been great. He's been absolutely great. Um. I think with the Weeders experience, I felt a little, um, I felt a little resistant to just, you know, crown the kid right as it came up. I, I was kind of stealing my heart away. You know, I didn't want to be disappointed that this this guy that we had put so much hope in was coming to the major leagues. But boy, he has been everything is advertised. Uh, I, I think he's been more than what he was advertised as. I mean, I think. You know, you thought he was going to be a really great prospect coming up into the majors and being a dynamic force. Um, Again, I think you, you know, you can look at the stats and everything like that. But again, if you take a look at the winning percentage of the Baltimore Orioles, I think they've been a 90 plus win team since he's come up. Yeah, well, I mean, the team is 27 games above 500 since his arrival. I think it was 12 uh, last year and and then this year. So, I mean, I think that just exemplifies it of like, if you can be... 27 games above 500 since your arrival, you are a franchise player. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And uh, just just so that we're not you know singing nothing but praises, if I had to pick apart anything, and again, he is, he is everything we ever hoped and more. If I could pick apart anything where I'd like to see his game grow a little bit, I have been somewhat underwhelmed at his uh, throwing, mm-hmm. at his ability to, to catch base stealers. Now, <clears throat> you know, maybe some of that is is these new bases. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I, I would like to see him get a few more, uh, base runners, but that is like nitpick to the extreme. I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's come around to home plate. Uh, I originally had a topic on here on our notes, but I'm going to change it up really quickly. Um, I want to talk about something that I've been noticing. We've talked about this before during the, during, you know, a previous podcast well ago is the best way to describe it. Um, 
kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, this weekend, I spent a lot of time in Havity Grace, um, in a hand of Havity Grace auditorium, specifically watching a lot of dance recitals for for my daughters. Um, and it was really interesting because, you know, the games are, in essence, going on. And I'm sitting there in the auditorium. And I'm trying to watch what's going on with the Orioles games. And I'm, in essence, you know, trying to partake in this family and, 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 uh, entertainment. Um, and what I keep noticing, um, you know, walking around and being part of this aspect is, you know, walking around town, talking to people and stuff like that. The Orioles gear is back. And again, coming back to the brand new all Masson app, it was amazing to me to see how many people had their phones out and were watching the game in the auditorium before the recital started is the best way to describe it. So like once the recital started, you know, that quickly went off or, you know, if the lights did go out, you know, people were kind of holding under their jackets or something like that on that basis. But I will also come back and say like, these are not people that are our ages. Like these are individuals that are in their fifties, sixties and stuff like that too. So it's not just our generation doing it, but you can start to see in essence that, yeah, that in essence of people are in essence buying into it. They like that aspect. They understand. And I've had a few people come up to me and, and say specifically to me, I've been waiting so long for this, for the Orioles to finally have the farm system, just like they did when I was a kid. Um, and in essence to do the Oriole way. And I don't stop. I'm going to be like, well, actually the Orioles really weren't great during the Oriole way in terms of pulling prospects up. Like that's kind of an illusion is the best way to describe it. But I'm like, that's fine. So we, we get talking and stuff like that, but it's truly amazing to me always this standpoint. And we've talked about this in terms of attendance, um, how people in Baltimore resonate when winning baseball is going on. You see the, the gear come out, um, I think you're, we saw a few homestands there too, that I would say attendance was a little bit higher than I was expecting. I mean, I was calling it on being like, ah, they'll probably get like 12,000 and it's just like, oh, they had 20,000 people there tonight. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And again, I, I would like to get your opinion on this aspect of like, have you seen a little bit more orange around the community, you know, going forward? Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I'll <clears throat> co-sign everything you just said there. One of the things I, I find interesting, you know, I, I work from home um, and the large majority of my colleagues are not from Maryland. I think there are two people in the company that are that are from Maryland besides myself. But the, the really interesting thing to me is how many people from outside mm-hmm. of Baltimore are noticing, are, are noticing me. Because, yeah. of course, you know, I wear Baltimore on my chest, you know, like all the time. I'm, I should work for the Maryland Tourism Department. Um, but people will will call me up and they'll say, hey. I noticed that your birds took a series this weekend. That's great. This must be fun. Like blah, 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 blah. Somebody uh, from New York is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm coming into, into town. Maybe we can go catch an Orioles game. Sure. It's not just that the Orioles are uh, reminding Baltimore fans that it's okay to love the baseball team. Because, yeah. by the way, the, the Orioles made it very hard to love this team. Sure. Right? But they're also catching the national eye. Yes. And that is so gratifying to me. Because – uh, 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 everything we talk about with those City Connect jerseys, yep. right? Orioles fans, Baltimoreans, I've always had that chip on the shoulder, yep. right? Of the national attention Correct. or lack thereof. It is so good to be able to not only walk downtown and say, yeah, our team is great. It's great to be elsewhere sure, and say, yeah, that's right. Our team is great. Yeah. And again, I think it's just a really, you know, fun standpoint. And again, I think it comes back to this kind of Adley conversation that we were just discussing. Um, you know, 
I think it's the character on the field is the most way to describe it. I think they are looking at it and seeing a bunch of guys having fun. I think we can take a look at the water celebrations that are occurring. And I think people are, in essence, whether you like the splash center or not, I think it gets people talking about the team. It gets people, you know, engaging in a conversation. So, again, I think, you know, this team on a whole, from a character standpoint and a fun standpoint, um, is having a lot of fun out there. And, again, we talk about this all the time, uh, specifically baseball. Baseball is such a marathon that if you can keep it fresh, you can continue to have fun, and you, in essence, don't lose a lot of games in a row, and you can kind of break out of slumps, it can make a huge difference over 162 games. So the Orioles are not going to be as good as they have been in May. But if they can quickly say, hey, we lost three or four games in a row, we're going to turn it around because we know we can do it. Um, that's the kind of character that we want to continue to see uh, through the rest of the season. You know, the the interesting thing will be how we as fans deal with adversity, short bursts of adversity in a great season. Correct. Right. M- myself included. Like I can I can yeah. temper tantrum online with the best of them. Uh, but the other the other thing is that understatement of the year, <laughs> by the way. Oreos baseball. Let me tell you about Fios logons. <laughs> <laughs> Oreos baseball has been so easy to ignore for the last sure. several years. And the Orioles will not be ignored this year. They won't be ignored here. They won't be ignored on the all new Masson app. They won't be ignored by the national media. They're playing themselves into a position where they're must watch. Uh, Sam uh, Dingman on the Baltimore sure. Browns just just uh, referred to them as you know uh, by appointment must watch uh, entertainment. They are becoming that. Absolutely it's excellent. Well, as long as you and your wife do not renew your vows and go away for your honeymoon this year. I certainly agree that this should be a wonderful year of Orioles baseball. I'm only allowed to have have happiness in one area of my <laughs> life, and I guess this summer it has to be the Orioles. Let's not have this be a 2005 reoccurrence once again. <laughs> um, all right, it's time to go to uh, my favorite segment these days. It's uh, time to go to Fantasy Boss. Okay. Um, uh, significant lack of music um, somewhat indicates to us that it must have been a push this sh- this week for Fantasy Boss. Okay, so I didn't lose. You didn't lose. I didn't lose. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, Mountcastle and Mullins both had excellent weeks. They both had two home runs apiece, um, so or two dongs. Um, so it's a push. Um, so I'm still up 5 nothing. Yes, you're still up 5 nothing. But, you know, last week, Scott, I think you very generously tried to shake things up. And uh, picked the category, and I was like, no, 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 I don't need your pity. I don't yeah. need your pity. Scott, I need your pity. Okay. I need you to pick the category this week. we got to shake something up. we got to get something going before we get into wacky wild card season. Yeah, so I'm going to go uh, with on-base percentage this week. Hmm. On-base percentage. That is the percentage of the time the player gets on base. And no, I'm not just stalling so I can look up to see who did really well in that category this week. Yep. Except I, I might be doing that. So this week, let's take a look at that on base. Well, of course, Ryan O'Haren led the club. Absolutely. And right after that, a certain Taryn Vavra was right behind. But then you get into the usual suspects, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander. And surprisingly, right behind that, Adam Frazier. Yep. So the real question is... That's why the Orioles got him, was because he gets on base. Is that the reason? I think that's the reason why they got him. Have we... Have we been able to definitively say that? I don't think so yet. Me neither. I'd still wonder as to why we're paying $8 million yeah. for Adam Frazier. All right. 
So your question is who's going to get on base the mostest? The mostest. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm gonna go with Cedric Mullins. Okay. Uh, you can't escape him. You can't He's escape playing him. his mind out right now. He is excellent in the field. He is excellent at the plate. And uh, though he is a dong machine these days. I, I trust him when he's at the plate, so I'm going to go with set. I, I'm going to go chalk, uh, and I normally I haven't done this all season. I feel like it's going to finally break the streak, uh, but I'm going to go with Adley Rutschman yeah, uh, as my as my chalk choice. Don't like it. I think it's going to backfire on me, but that's who I'm going to go with. Is no. the best way to describe it. I, so. I, have, I have nothing but respect for that pick. That's yeah. that's perfectly good. So we'll see who owns it. Spoiler alert: It's going to be Scott. Uh, I don't think so, but like I said, I'll be glad to put you on the scoreboard. Um, and with that, um, let's go ahead and figure out who is good who was bad, and who was ugly this past week. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. At least I think it is. Last week it didn't end up being that way. Uh, but I'm going to go first with my good, and my good goes to Yenier Cano. And this is really a hat tip for the amazing start that he had to the season. As we indicated uh, earlier in the show, he he is mortal after all. He gave up a run in the Toronto series, uh, but he continues uh, to be incredible. And I saw something online. It was a tweet somewhere. I don't know where I saw it, to be honest with you. It wasn't Pitching Ninja. Uh, but it was a comment about his arm slot having dropped this mm-hmm. year and how impossible it is to distinguish his pitches out of the hand. Again, Yenier Cano, I hope that he continues to perform so well, but he has been so great for this club. And last week, even though, again, he he had his first blemish on the stat line, was no different. Yeah, so my my good for the week is going to go to Ryan O'Hearn. I mean, I can't overemphasize how big of a three-run homer that was. Yeah. Um, completely changed the dynamic of that game, completely changed the dynamic in the series. I mean, I was tweeting about it beforehand. You know, people were, in essence, writing that game off and like, well, we'll get them tomorrow. Um, and I was just like, it's only three runs. Like, it's Toronto. Like, weird things can happen. Um So Ryan O'Hearn, you know, I just being able to come in that spot, hit a two-strike three-run homer, um, you know, kudos. So he gets my good for the week. I think that's a that's probably one of the top moments of the season, um, in my opinion. It is the uh it is the na 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 I mean we can talk about big home runs in, in Toronto. Yeah, that's absolutely. that's the home run, yeah. Uh my bad for this week is going to go to the luck dragon. Mm-hmm. And we saw that here tonight. Uh, Yankees outfielder made an incredible play on a Ryan Mountcastle fly ball uh, that, you know, in, in a just and and kind world would have fallen in. Poor Ryan Mountcastle has just been having a time with the luck dragon. His his BABIP this week is 111. Oof. 111. So you got to think that that will round out for him and he'll have a little bit better go of it. But boy, I, I don't blame Ryan Mountcastle. I blame the, uh, blame the luck dragon. Yeah, uh, my bad's going to go in a very small sample size to James McCann. Um, he, in a sense, got the with got the goose egg this week. Um, and only eight plate appearances, nothing going on, and a twenty five percent K rate. So a- again, you know, you're you're paying him to kind of be that backup catcher. I'm not expecting performances from from every week, 
Um, but something to keep an eye on um, and just make sure that he's not regressing into Severino territory. Got it. Boy, Severino territory. Ooh. All right, my ugly is going to go to Jorge Mateo. We talked about this a little bit over the, the, the course of the show, but he is having a rough go of it. A negative 32 weighted runs created plus a 30% K rate and just a 124 Woba. He's lost out there right now. Urias needs to come back because I think he does need some time uh, to sit down and clear my head. Yeah. Um, and that was your ugly? Yes. All right. So my ugly is going to go to, we're going to talk a little bit about the national media and the narrative specifically around. Um, there are a few folks out there that are basically saying, uh, well, the Orioles are over exceeding expectations and they're clearly going to regress on this basis. And, you know, that's fine. You you can say that. And again, I do think the Orioles are overperforming slightly. But overall, if you watch the team and you watch what their bullpen is doing, there's no doubt in my mind this is a playoff team at this given moment. Um, you know, everything that they're doing from, you know, coming back in games. And again, we talked about that during the Blue Jays series um, and we were when we were watching it. This team bangs. It's the standpoint of they never give up. They never die. Um, and we talked about that a lot last season, specifically where, like, they didn't fit into the classic Orioles narrative of, like, I can write the script. Um, in essence, we're starting to, in essence, flip that standpoint. And in essence, we're writing the script on that basis of saying, like, we can write the script because the Orioles are, in essence, potentially going to come back in this game. You did it with O'Hare. Correct. So I'm, you know, going to call out, you know, some aspects of, you know, ugly standpoint, like, I, I hate power rankings. Everyone knows I hate power rankings. But like throwing stuff out there being like, well, we're going to put them fourth in power rankings behind the Dodgers and behind the Braves um, when the Orioles are clearly doing better than both those teams at this given moment. Um, the Orioles are in essence being, we'll call it still moderately being regressed. Um, the Orioles are clearly a top five team. They're clearly probably a top three team right now in Major League Baseball. Um, and boy, howdy. Is it fun? Can you imagine? I mean, just think about that. There's probably never a time during the Buckle Up Birds era, even during 2014, that we said the Orioles are one of the top three teams in Major League Baseball. Even when we went into, we'll call it the Tiger Series, we're like, mm, yeah, not probably not the favorite is the best way to describe it. Um, and they managed to win. To, to go through that right. pitching staff? No way. Right. But, you know, you look at, you know, where the Orioles would potentially be seated and going into a playoff standpoint, and you say to yourself now, they could hold their own with any team. And that is one thing that I've said in previous years, even last year, specifically, I said, you know, even if the Orioles manage to get the playoffs, they're not quite where they need to right, be. They'd probably be outclassed. They'd probably be outclassed. And at this moment, I'm looking at the rest of Major League Baseball, and I'm like, they probably need one more pitcher. And they probably need one more hitter, but they could hold their own in a seven game series. No question about it. Here's a question for you. Do you think that that is fodder for the uh, locker room? Uh, I don't think so. I think they've talked about specifically of saying like, hey, we're just going to ignore that and we're just going to kind of move on past that aspect. So I, I don't think it's fodder whatsoever. I think you just kind of move on and, and ignore it. All right. So your ugly is everybody else. Yes. Baltimore versus the world. Baltimore versus the world. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's blow the save when we get back.
All right, Scott, as we blow the save here at the end of this episode, I want to ask you about now that the Orioles are good, undeniably good, does it make it easier for you to see Orioles alumni succeed elsewhere? I'm thinking specifically about Kevin Gosman, mm-hmm. but I'm 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 expanding my worldview on this. I got to be honest, we saw Kevin Gosman pitch in Toronto, he pitched well. The Orioles got the better of him, uh, but it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the pang of a of a jilted lover. It it wasn't the type of way that I would have felt in past seasons, where it was like, ah, I can't believe that you know he got away. What if and now he exactly yeah. exactly? Do you think that your ability to maybe enjoy players post Orioles careers will will be different? In in the run of the next great Orioles team, no, no, no. So there will always be a what if. There will always be a what if because I will always look back at you know we'll call it the buckle of birds era, um, and I will always look at that standpoint of like there were so many years there of like hopeless fertility. Yeah, but we're gonna have the opportunity to send guys away because they're surplus. Sure, and like I said, eventually that will make me make it better for me um but in reality for the time being it's going to take me quite some time so you're you're still the jilted lover. absolutely okay well that that is our show remember you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at bird's eye view baltimore.com bird's eye view is available for download wherever it is to get your podcast subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, stitcher google Podcasts, spotify and many others Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the ticks and the talks, as long as it's legal. And also, the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond... Adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Stop pitching to Aaron Judge. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.